You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Broncos country and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I'm your host Carl Dumbler and joining me today is always my good friend and co-host Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick how you doing buddy? Hey doing pretty well it's we had a little bit of a one day of an Indian summer yesterday unfortunately I was stuck in the office so I didn't really get to enjoy it but we're back to cold temperatures and you know what I don't I don't mind it too much but it's starting to feel like the end of Football season is around the corner, which makes me a little bit sad. This this upcoming Saturday is Iowa's last home game, so you know we it comes and goes. We wait for it all year, and then boom, it's over. So gonna try to live in the moment. I know the Broncos haven't been that great this year, and they're kind of frustrating to watch from time to time. But gosh darn it, I'm gonna miss them when they're gone. So just you know, trying to <laughs> you know carpe diem the rest of this football season. Yep, it's one of those even the even the bad product is still good compared to no product. Yeah. So you're right. I'm going to definitely miss it when it's done, but at least we got a few more weeks. And then at least uh, January and February, you got all the, the draft stuff and free agency and some stuff going on there. So, I mean, at least that part is pretty nice. It's that April to the June or July that really get kind of, kind of wonky there being a, a football fan. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm trying to enjoy it as well. Yeah. And thankfully, I am actually, I'm in God's country this time, not you. Mm. I'm in Colorado Springs recording this one. So uh, right now I'm actually looking out, seeing the mountains ah. and enjoying that. I'm sorry. Got to make you a little jealous since I got to see all those pictures of you in the mountains. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's uh, still a little bit jealous. Hopefully one day. Natalie and I will get to be somewhere where we get to be a little closer to the mountains, but we'll we'll see. You never know. But I'm uh, going to try to enjoy, again, Carpe Diem is the theme today, and <laughs> going to try to enjoy Iowa City while I'm still here. There you go. There you go. Got to enjoy Iowa while you got it. You know, yeah. I I missed Kansas when I was gone, and I miss Seattle now that I'm gone from there. But anyway, back to football. We got a lot to cover. Got a, a big game coming up here this Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. So we want to make sure that you can find us on Twitter because we're going to be tweeting a lot about the game. I know you even tweeted some stats today on some different players for the Broncos. So you can find me at Carl Dumbler MHH and Nick at Nick Kendall MHH. And you can follow the podcast Twitter account at BTB Football Pod. And make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a rating as we value your input. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and even that of YouTube. Also make sure you head on over to MileHighHuddle.com, a new affiliate of the Maven Coalition and Sports Illustrated. Also know that this podcast is powered by Overtime Media. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next Sunday, the Denver Broncos will travel to take on the Buffalo Bills, and you can be there. Make sure you have your seat for the game with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats, you guys, it is the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price. You can look for seats in the section and row of your choice all in the Vivid Seats app. It is seamless, it is easy, it is intuitive. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program, you guys, which allows fans to earn credit back. It's called the Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Because once you download, fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. You just got to purchase your tickets. And every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. And when it's time to buy, make sure new users, you enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right, and welcome back to Building the Broncos as we get ready to discuss the the preview episode of the, the Bills game coming up, one of the... The teams the Broncos have really struggled with. I don't know what it is about Buffalo, but it seems like even when the Broncos are the better team, Buffalo finds a way to win. I think I read somewhere the Broncos have lost the last five games against Buffalo. How many of those have been in Buffalo? Because I feel I, like it's been mostly in Buffalo. And typically, you know, you kind of see it rotate. But because the Broncos have matched up with them this time as a because they both finished third place in the division last season, 
that they they have to go back to Buffalo. I just can't I can't even remember the last time Buffalo played in Denver. Yeah, it seems like it's been a while, and and it always seems to be the noon start time. Yeah, so well, I mean, the, there's them. a lot of things that set up against the Broncos to come play Buffalo, but it just does seem like the Broncos find ways not only to lose but lose bad. Yeah, frustratingly. Like, uh, was it? I think the 2016 season where the Broncos had that huge win against Dallas where nobody gave them a chance. Yeah. And then the next week, like everybody's high on the Broncos and they go to Buffalo and get smoked. Yeah. So, so. Here, I got, the, I got their last few meetings. They've only played three times in the, I guess we'll call it the, this decade. And you had the Broncos in 2011. They went to Buffalo, got absolutely smashed. 40 to 14 bills beat the Broncos and the Broncos actually did win the last time they played in Denver. The Broncos won that 24 to 17. And then the Broncos, if you recall the last time they lost 26 to 16, they were playing pretty well that season to start VJ's first year, uh, 2017, excuse me. And that was the game where Von Miller, you know, reached his hand out to Tyrod Taylor and whoop, pulled it away and got the flag. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was that was so stupid. If, the, it was dumb for no a flag. Like, they're just playing. They're just teasing. I mean, I don't. I don't even right. know. I, even Tyrod is like, I don't know why he got a, a penalty there, but no. But actually, I want to bring it back. One more thing: the the game that was the 2014 game will forever be a warm place in my heart because that won me a fantasy football league. C.J. Anderson ran 21 times for 58 yards, had three touchdowns though. That was when the Broncos finally like they're like you know what Peyton Peyton Manning's arm is kind of uh, falling off, folks. So we better you know what we need to do just run the damn football. Peyton had fourteen for twenty that week, but two interceptions, so not great. So that's you know a little trip down memory lane there for these these two matchups here. Okay, well talking about a team that likes to run the football, yeah, you're you're looking at the Buffalo Bills. See, good turn turn there, but uh, no, they are a team that is eighth in rushing this year, one hundred twenty eight point seven yards. Seventh in yards per carry and ninth in attempts per game at 28. So this is going to be a healthy dose of strength on strength. Broncos run defense against the the Bills run offense, and and it's not just their their running backs. I mean, Singletary's really came on here recently. They got Frank Gore, uh, who seems to be the the most ageless back of all time, other than uh, I guess Adrian Peterson might give him a run for his money. Yeah, but beyond those couple guys, but. Uh, but no, this is really going to be a game of kind of ball control. If you can take the under, this is probably a game that you take the under because it's going to be low scoring. It's supposed to be cold. It's supposed to be windy. Uh, I really do see this being a low scoring game. But uh, now also then that means if their run game is what they really lean on, their pass game has not been great. And, and I just had this conversation with somebody earlier. When you look at the quarterbacks drafted in 2018 that have been successful, at least winning wise, what they've both been able to do is not only run the football themselves, but have a team that's committed to running the football and taking the ball out of their hands and Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And, and you look at other guys like Josh uh, Rosen, Baker Mayfield, um, Sam Darnold, all those guys have had a lot more put on their plate and said pretty much go win games for us. It's almost like the landing spot matters a lot for a young quarterback. What? I know. When have we ever said that? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not the end all be all, but there's always the, it's the chicken or egg question. You know, is it, is it the, the quarterback themselves or is it the situation they land in? Obviously the truth lies somewhere in the middle, but at, to what extent? Right. Well, it's, I mean, you look at all the top successful quarterbacks, Tom Brady. I mean, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but we'll talk about it here. I mean, he had a top 10 run game, top 10 defense when he first came into the league. Yep. Russell Wilson. Now, he made some plays when they absolutely needed them, needed somebody to make a play. But, of course, Marshawn Lynch was that offense to start off with. And, of course, they had the, the Legion of Boom or Legion. Is it You're Legion right. of Boom? Yeah. You're okay. Right, yeah. I, I, all of a sudden, I was thinking Legion of Doom, and I'm like, that's not right. You blocked but, it. Uh, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, so they, they had other things around them that took pressure off them as a quarterback to start off and kind of eased them into the league. Didn't expect them to go out there and win everything. There's not very only few that, quarterbacks. St- I would add on to that stability in both coaching staff and scheme. You know, right. it's these teams that are constantly firing, changing their schemes, don't know who they want to be, where these quarterbacks really tend to, to flame out. And that tends to be the case. I mean, you already see Josh Rosen traded to two teams. The 
one worse than the other. Although the Dolphins actually have won some games. I'm pretty impressed with their head coach. And then you have Sam Darnold. I mean, ugh, terrible there. And then you obviously have Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh. It's either him or Kyle Shanahan for coach of the year and what the Ravens have done to build a totally different offense around Lamar and maximize his strengths has been amazing. I mean, he's he's obviously playing incredible football, but hat tip to the, the coaching staff in the front office as well. And then the the Bills. I mean, Sean McDermott and Billy Bean are about as good as a head coach uh, front office GM pairing as I can think of in the AFC right now, outside of obviously, you know, Bill Belichick as both of them. <laughs> and I think the Colts as well. But I mean, it's, it's that stability matters so much. It does. It really does. And so you're seeing a quarterback in Josh Allen that they're able to win games with his game and and play to his strengths. Uh, and, and I mean, he's not really ever been the most accurate quarterback or the most consistent quarterback, but uh, but he can run the football. He can pick up the short yardage plays, things like that. And so even though they're not scoring a ton of points, they're still controlling the flow of the game with that run game, with his threat of being able to take off this ability to escape pressure, all those kind of things. But, but, and so, I mean, when you're looking at these stats, these are raw stats, but I don't think it gives the full picture of what's exactly going on. And so such as they are 20th in points scored at 20.1, but they're a team that, that wins ugly. It's kind of what the Broncos are trying to do right now. They're just doing it better. And they're 19th in yards per game. They're 20th and third down conversion rate. Um, they're 22nd in quarterback rating, which is actually one worse than what the Broncos have been this year. I do think that maybe perhaps for Josh Allen, and I don't love this formula, but I think maybe QBR would be a better indicator because quarterback rating does not take into account uh, – passer rating, quarterback rating does not take into account runs where QBR does. Am I correct right. in that? You're, you don't have QBR or this is quarterback rating? I don't have QBR up. Okay. But I'm just, uh, yeah, he's, he really reminds me. I'll, sorry. I mean, I'm the worst. Day. I'm cutting you off, but he really reminds <laughs> no, me good. of a, a, he really reminds me of a, a lesser version of Cam Newton coming out. You know, he's a big athlete, incredible arm, can do things and make guys miss. But that general accuracy and the decision making is just totally high variance. And right. Obviously, Cam developed, Cam was a better passer. I think Cam was a better athlete as well. But that's kind of the that's the mold here with a guy like Josh Allen, and I, I mean it makes sense. I mean with Billy Bean coming over from the Panthers over to the the Bills, you know, that's that's the mold. So great defense, hard, tough nose, downfield passing, run the ball and grind out wins, and it's working for him. I mean, easy schedule, but you can only play the teams in front of you. Uh, so Josh Allen is ranked twenty sixth in QBR. Ooh. Well, that's surprising. I thought he'd be better considering. I mean, he has an incredible amount of rushing touchdowns this year. Like that's we'll get to that a little bit. But that that offensive red zone package, just because he is such a strong, dynamic runner, the QB power is overwhelming yeah. sometimes. You want to guess where they have Joe Flacco? You know what? Let's go 28th, 19th. Hmm. Well, ESPN, how about you uh, release the QBR so that way we can pick apart what's going on here <laughs> instead of proprietary knowledge. Right, right. But uh, no, so that just kind of gives you a little little glimpse into what their offense is. They are, like I said, just a, a run-heavy team that's, I mean, they're built for this time of year when it starts getting cold and Josh Allen fits perfect into that mold of of being able to, to play in the cold weather. I mean, he did it up in Montana. I, I think they asked him about the Broncos possibly drafting him. You mean and Wyoming? Thoughts on that. Or Wyoming, sorry. Yeah, Montana, like, Wyoming. Aren't, aren't they the same thing? I'm just kidding. Wyoming wow. and Montana Be careful people. what you say. This is, I there's a lot of fans, I'm sure, listening to Wyoming, I'm just Montana kidding, area. guys. I, I love Wyoming. I love Montana. I love both those areas. Beautiful country. Yeah, it's some of my favorite out there for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, he is. He's built for that kind of cold weather setup. And uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the Broncos decide to play it. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But let's get to the other side, which is their, their bread and butter under McDermott, and that is defensively. They are third in yards allowed per game, right ahead of the Broncos. Sixth in third down percentage allowed. Third in points allowed per game at 17. Third in passing yards allowed. Ninth in total sacks. Fourth in quarterback rating allowed at 80. And the other side of it, though, they have struggled against the run this year. Yes. 18th in rushing yards allowed per game at 106.3, and 19th in yards per carry allowed. 
So just kind of keep that in mind that that is kind of a a little bit of maybe an advantage the Broncos could have of having their strong run game against a very inconsistent run defense, I guess is the best way to put that. And I would like uh, to add that they DVOA obviously takes into account opponents schedule, you know, who they've played. If you play the, the AFC East and you're pooping on teams like the Jets and the Dolphins, that should be different than if you're playing, say, the NFC North where you're going against the Packers, Bears, and Vikings. So they have the ninth-rated pass defense, according to DVOA. Only the 14th-rated overall, which is surprising because, I mean, this is a team that's prided itself on defense. But as you said, the run defense suspect, 27th overall in run defense so far this season. So watch for that. Right. Well, and, and you look at their wins this year. Their probably highest quality win was against the Titans. Yeah. And I mean, the Broncos beat the Titans. So, and, and the Broncos beat the Titans by more points. Obliterated. And, and so you look at, I mean, they've beat the, the Redskins, the Dolphins twice, the Bengals, the Giants, and, and the Jets. So all teams that are actually worse than the Broncos, there, there might not have been an easier schedule so far, but their losses are to the Browns, the Eagles, and the, of course the Patriots. So just wow. kind of, but even in their losses, though, all of them have actually been close except for one against the Eagles. Yeah, they played the Patriots very close. I think it came down to the last play of the game, if not darn close. So right. it's one of those right. teams. They're beating the teams they should. They're losing to the teams they should. But it's, uh, I mean, it just shows you how close everything is in the NFL, actually. Right. And then one one big stat that I just want to kind of point towards here that the, the Broncos maybe could really take advantage of just because they have players that are pretty good at this. The, the Buffalo Bills have been actually one of the worst tackling teams in football this year. They mm. have 90 missed tackles on the season so far. Wow. And, and so, again, this is part of why their run defense has been so terrible. I just watched the Washington Redskins game against them earlier uh, today. And uh, that was... I'm sorry. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a b- bad game to watch. But, I mean, it's still... If the, the Redskins could... Uh, put some, t- some scores in the end zone, uh, that would have been a much better game. But I mean, Adrian Peterson, there's a lot of plays where it looked like they had him in the backfield and all of a sudden Adrian Peterson would gash him for 20, 30 yards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so again, just kind of a, a team that has their weaknesses. They do tighten up when it gets to the red zone. I mean, again, they're not allowing a ton of points and not a ton of yards, but they've also not played a whole lot of great offenses either. So just kind of, uh, I mean, they, they've got an interesting picture on the season, I would say. They're, they're just kind of a, I mean, they, they've taken advantage of their schedule. They've won the games, like you said, that they should have won, where that's kind of an issue the Broncos have had this year of losing some of the games that they maybe should have won. So just some some little differences here and why I think this game could be really close this time. But uh, any other stats that really stick out to you? Nothing off the top of my head other than this is a team that has a good record and they're an East Coast team. So I think the Broncos probably walking into some issues here. But that said, man, this I, it could go either way. The Broncos, I, you, you like to hear about this team having the meeting, the dinner meeting with Von Miller. And I think this Bills team is not as good as their record, but at the same time, it's just a lot going against the Broncos there. And obviously, yeah. I want to bring up the, the injury reports as well. I mean, you have the Bills. They have some injuries. Nothing nothing too crazy. They're not missing anybody outstanding. But Frank Gore did not participate last week. Uh, Jerry Hughes is did not participate at all this week. He has a groin injury. He might not go. Saran Neal has concussion. He hasn't participated the last two days. And Jordan Phillips, their big, really talented nose tackle. I think he was a very high second-round pick for the Dolphins. They kind of evicted him, and he's been playing really well up in Buffalo, actually. He's going to free agent this year. Maybe somebody the Broncos will look at, but he hasn't played as well. So they're a little bit dinged up, but the Broncos, I mean, I'm concerned with the interior offensive line. You have Connor McGovern. He's... He's, I think he was on the list. I know Leary is injured, and Reisner has been in a boot. So that interior offensive line with the strength of this Bills defense, which is up the middle, yeah, despite what the run defense says, talent-wise, I think up the middle, their defensive tackles are pretty darn good, and that concerns me. For sure. Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny that the, the week Juwan James might be coming back is when we lose pretty much the entire interior offensive line. So <laughs> it could get very interesting to see how this, this all plays out. And and Wilkinson might get another start, just not at right tackle. 
So it just the offensive line is definitely going to be something to keep an eye on with that many guys possibly injured. And even if they do play, how good can they play? I mean, Reisner with a, a beat up foot, how good is he? We'll, we'll, we'll get a. I guess we're fixing to find out, as they like to say. But uh, yeah, it is. It's kind of a, a battle of the the two injured teams. I mean, you're getting to this time of year where you're going to have a lot more injuries, and and I mean, you can't blame losses on an injury, but it's still something to to keep an eye on for sure. Is you, you can't if half your starting off, you know, offensive line or even just half your starting team is injured, it's definitely going to affect your team. Yeah, not good. And that's their offensive line, especially the interior. It felt like it was starting to gel. I mean, you know, people are going to freak out about the offensive line. And granted, you need a bigger sample size of consistency because we've seen them play well one week and then totally crap the bed the next. But I really feel specifically that interior trio, though, over the last two games has been playing as well as they have all season. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, we should probably take a quick break, folks. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we are back on the Building the Broncos podcast. I am Nick Kendall, along with Carl Dummler. Carl, it's time for a segment where we do our best to scheme up the Broncos and give them the best chance. What we would do if we were, you know, calling the shots today, I get to be Rick Scangarello's versus so the Broncos offense versus the Buffalo Bills defense. I'll tell you, the first thing I'm doing is not calling a tight end end around. <laughs> you know, that's a. Uh, one of these days it's going to work, and he's going to feel so good about himself. And I was writing today, I did a little bit about the young offensive nucleus this team has emerging, and looking at Noah Fant's combine numbers, I mean, there's a reason they keep trying to give it to him. It's just, it hasn't worked yet. You know, you can blame Cortland Sutton. Last week, he didn't actually carry a block that well. Elijah Wilkinson has missed a couple of times, and, you know, some pretty good defensive reads. But one of these times, they're going to get that play, and not only, you know, will it work, but another time, they'll show that motion and it's going to lead to something else big. So, you know, people question it when it doesn't work out. But I, I tip my hat, hat just a little bit, just a little bit. Maybe I'm just I like the the weirdness of it. But just just for being creative, you know, giving them something different to look about. Maybe it's because I've been watching some Ravens football and all the the pre snap stuff they have going on behind the line of scrimmage that really makes linebackers freeze for a second, edge rushers freeze for a second, that opens up these massive run lanes. So offensive line getting a little bit better and maybe even getting another better tight end to pair with Fant might that was those things might come in the future, but that's one thing I'm probably not doing this week. A big reason for that is because despite the not great tackling the Bills do have some pretty good athletes on this defense. You know, the defensive interior is stout up the middle. They have some serious meat. Some serious meat. These guys probably eat a 
crap ton of Buffalo wings up in Buffalo. Jordan Phillips and Star Lutulule, absolute tanks. I mean, goodness, if those guys are coming to the buffet, you're shutting it down before they get into the get through the door. They have pretty good edge rushers as well. It's probably a, one of their, I would say, a weakness on this roster overall, but it's not terrible. Trent Murphy, Jerry Hughes, if he does play, and Shaq Lawson, a former first-round pick who really hasn't lived up to it. And also they have you know, pretty good interior rotation, but the guy that I'm a big fan of, we talked about a lot this season, this last season, Ed Oliver, a lot of flashes this season, hasn't been the dominant strokes that we've seen from even in a short sample size, Jeffrey Simmons, but he's been better than Quinnen Williams, who's been struggling a little bit this season. So interesting to follow there. Keeping it, we're going to the next level here. Obviously, the, the main star here, Matt Milano is a solid player at the linebacker. Lorenzo Alexander has been there for a bit, but Tremaine Edmonds, this dude is just, he's so long. Everybody remembers the Bills traded up for Josh Allen uh, two drafts ago, but they also traded up for Tremaine Edmonds. And last season, he was the youngest player in the entire NFL, 6'5", 250 pounds, and still a little bit raw, but man, a tremendous, tremendous athlete. Does need to get a little bit better with his tackling technique, but because he is so long, he just, he can clog so many lanes and running he can trip running backs up many times when they think they're about to get out, get away. Uh, the secondary, it starts with the safeties. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, one of the better safety duos in the league. They signed those guys the same season, brought them in, and they've been really good. you got to love the versatility, the physicality they bring. The secondary, outside of that, you, Tredavious White, first-round pick in 2017, been one of the better cornerbacks in the league over his rookie contract. Another guy who's making the case for DBU for LSU. It's between... Ohio State, Louisiana State, and Florida State for my money. Alabama coming up there too, but Tredavis White's been in a really good player. I'm, I cannot wait to watch that matchup with Cortland Sutton. Other than that, though, I don't really love their cornerback depth. Levi Wallace, he's okay. Kevin Johnson, meh. Teron Johnson, meh. So despite what they're saying about the the pass being good, just on paper, it doesn't look as good out there besides Tredavis White and those safeties, which you know, help cover a lot. So what am I doing to attack this team? Obviously, it's got to start with a run game. Broncos are going on the road. You have a quarterback who's still pretty young, a guy who struggled tremendously in the second half last week. So I'm going to be running the football. I'm going to be trying to get these running backs in space quickly, more so running it the behind the tackles, the outside edge, not only to combat the, the beef that the Bills have on the interior, but because the Broncos' interior offensive line is a little bit dinged up. And also, I'm letting my playmakers make plays. I mean, obviously, Tredavious White versus Cortland Sutton, a massive matchup. Tremaine Edmonds versus Noah Fant, a massive matchup, and the tight end, and the uh, the safety duo. But again, I really think this offense—they're not trying to get too cute. And well, I guess they are trying to get too cute. Talking about the end arounds, but the thing that I've really liked in the the Brandon Allen era to date is they're not you know trying to divvy up things too crazy. They're letting their playmakers get the ball. You know, throwing it to Cortland Sutton. Thrown at the Noah fan. Noah fan had 11 targets in the last game. It's really reminiscent of the Broncos last season when they traded Demarius Thomas, and then all of a sudden, Cortland Sutton's getting a high volume of targets. This season, the Broncos trade Emmanuel Sanders. That target shift switches to Noah Fant, and it's as much about propping him up and getting him some live reps so he can grow on that for next year as anything, but I'm looking to continue that and relying pretty heavily on the ground game. Hopefully, you can control the pace with that, make easy first downs, run the play-action game, run the boot-action game, and take your shots when you can. I like it. Yeah. Very, very, very good work, man. Thank you. Uh, Skangarella would be proud. <laughs> and uh, three tight end end-arounds, but this time we're going to use Orson Charles. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could do uh, the, the fake fake end-around with, uh, with Orson Charles. That'd really get him right. I just it makes me want more speed at the wide receiver core because I do love that end around play for what it the demand it draws from the defense. Right. But you're running with a goddamn tight end. Right. I know he's a different level tight end athlete, but like, you know, you you want a a four three wide receiver doing that. Right. Well, I mean that, that kind of speed. Even if a guy misses a block, he still has a chance to go make a play. Yeah. And where four five speed, I mean, it's still great, but it's still allows some other guys to come up and make some plays. But uh, now switch to the other side here. Broncos defense against this this Buffalo Bills offense. Uh, let's start with Josh Allen. He has been, like you said earlier, one of the more sporadic quarterbacks this entire season. It's hard to really, I guess, pin him down because one week he'll complete 75% of his passes. The next week he'll complete 40% of his passes. There's very little consistency when you really begin to, to look at 
at what he brings to the table, especially accuracy wise. I think he's ranked like 29th in the NFL in, in completion percentage this year. Uh, he has, I think, already a couple games below 50% completion on the on the season. So, again, just kind of a he's a big play guy. He wants the big play. He wants to look down the field, and he knows that he's a guy that can hold up. Uh, you know, even if the pass rush gets there, he's a guy that is strong. Kind of reminds me of, um, I mean, just well, even like you already said it, Cam Newton. And his ability to hold up in the pocket, but also his ability just to take off running. I mean, that's something you have to, to pay attention to. I think he's averaging something like seven carries a game right now. And and you already hinted at, I mean, he has seven rushing touchdowns on the season. So he's always a threat to take off. And, and you got to definitely worry about that. And then they have an interesting one-two punch at the, the running back position. And Devin Singletary, who is just that, I mean, he's making guys miss left and right. I mean, it's pretty impressive watching him at times to, to see what he can, can bring to the field. And uh, he's really, he's actually passed Frank Gore really as their, their go-to guy when it comes to, to running the football. And so, I mean, it, you got to watch out for that. But then of course, Frank Gore, still that ageless wonder at the running back position coming up the middle, being able to be smart and where he's going up the, you know, which hole he's going to hit all those kind of things. But they, they do have some some major weaknesses to this team. I mean, you look at that offensive line. Let, let me ask you this. Would you take the Broncos' offensive line healthy over that of the Bills' offensive line healthy? Pro- probably. Yeah. It, it's not exactly the most elite unit by any means. I mean, Deion Dawkins has been okay at left tackle, but nothing special. I was a big Quentin fan Spain, of his game. Do what? I was a big fan of his game out of Temple. Yeah, I remember you were. And, I mean, he's been all right. I mean, I'm not saying he's the worst left tackle in football, but he's had his times of struggle as well. He's been Garrett, better than Garrett Bowles. See, that was – I really wanted Deion Dawkins when the Broncos still had Russell Okung, and the dream was O.J. Howard and then tackle round two in Deion Dawkins. But, you know, that's uh, that's in the past. That it is. Uh, like, like I said, I mean, Deion Dawkins, he's actually been pretty pretty decent – about average or so above average there at the left tackle position where you start seeing some struggles are when you get to some of the interior work. Yeah. Um, Quentin Spain has been okay, but nothing absolutely outstanding by any means. Um, John Feliciano, not been, not great. <laughs> uh, so, and Mitch Morris, I mean, he's been, been decent, but nothing special again, just kind of pretty average guys across the board for him. And and Cody Ford, their their rookie. We're going to talk about him here in a little bit. He's been a huge weakness for them, so this could be a big week for Von Miller coming off the edge. But I mean, again, you're you're going to have to rush a little bit different just because of Josh Allen being on this team. And then you look at their weapons. Cole Beasley has been very good for them out of the slot position. They have actually used Isaiah McKenzie to his strengths quite a bit. They're not asking him to go out there and catch a lot of passes. But you were talking about that speed coming around the edge. They, they've definitely had that in their their arsenal this year. And then John Brown, a guy that many thought might be coming to Denver with Joe Flacco, ended up there in, in Buffalo and has been uh, pretty decent there going deep for them this season. But overall, it really is a pretty average offense if you look at them. And like I said, it, it is very much geared towards we want to run it down your throats. We are going to control the clock. We're going to control the the flow of the game. Uh, we're going to control field position, all those kind of things. And we're going to make you have to go out there and make quite a few plays to, to beat our defense. And uh, so it, it is, like I said, going to probably be a, a slugfest in the trenches. And, and this is one where I think, like most teams have played Buffalo this year, you're loading up the the box. You're trying to stop the run as much as you can. You're you're telling your edges to to make sure to play some contain because Josh Allen gets to the edges. That's when big plays happen for him. Yeah. Uh, very few of their big plays are actually what I would call within the framework of the actual play. It's, yeah, it's more him breaking yep. out, ma- making somebody miss, and then throwing down the field. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, I'm in agreement with you there. Just their run game is a little bit tricky because of that quarterback power option. I mean, obviously. You have some uh, some decent running backs there. Obviously, the rookie has been the go-to guy as of late, but you have Isaiah McKenzie with that pre-snap motion. They fake it to him. They could give it to him. They could 
pitch it to him, you know, a shovel pass. Then you have the running back, and, and if all that fails, then you have Josh Allen. So really, I mean, the Broncos' run defense post-Jacksonville game has been really good. It's actually rated higher than their run or their pass defense now, according to DVOA. Probably a big bump from doing so well against Alvin Cook. But, you know, that's it's you have to play disciplined when you have so many different options you know it's not it's right. not a wishbone type of offense or anything it's not the triple option but still you have just so much window dressing as they call it you have to stay disciplined do your job otherwise they can gash you the guy i do want to point out you didn't talk about him too much but he's getting just a massive heaping of targets this season considering it's such a low volume pass offense john brown has been playing very well, and I know that because I lost last week in fantasy because of him, and I was a little bit upset about it. But the past, yeah, you know, the last four games, his target loads eight targets, five receptions against the Eagles, seven targets, four receptions, 76 yards against the, the Skins, 11 targets, five receptions for 77 yards against the Browns, and then last week against Miami. It is Miami, but still. 14 targets, nine receptions, 137 yards, and two touchdowns. And he's, I mean, his yards per target, you know, they're they're up. A lot of them are over, for a lot of games, is over 12 yards. So, man, I am a, I'm a little bit concerned with John Brown because Chris Harris Jr. has not been playing the best football, especially against some of those speedier guys. And, you know, last week people are pointing at the safeties for messing up that long touchdown pass. But Chris Harris has not been playing top 10 level cornerback play this season. And John Brown, he is an absolute speed demon. So I'm I'm curious right. to see how this matchup plays because the Broncos, I, there's going to have to be a little bit of, you know, give and take here because you either play a little bit safer because you don't want to give up the big pass and keep those safeties back. Or you're coming down because you know that run game is going to be so constant and so physical that you have to bring the safeties down to help fill gaps. So, I mean, that's right. that's why you get a guy like John Brown to pair with an arm like uh, Josh Allen, the run threat that he has. But it's just that concerns me pretty greatly. Right. And, and you're right. And, and the Broncos definitely need to keep that in mind. It's why I would guess they're probably going to play quite a bit of single high safety. They're going to have Kareem Jackson coming down in the box, helping with the run game and telling Justin Simmons probably to shadow John Brown's side. I mean, I'm getting a guess that they're going to have some other guys trying to go deep as well to, to get some passes. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie can go deep. He hasn't done it a whole lot this year. He does have a long of 46, but uh, just just more of that threat. Dawson Knox is is a decent athlete there at the tight end position, so somebody you got to keep an eye on. But Cole Beasley, I mean, he's more he's not your deep threat per se. He's more that true slot guy that you want to work over the middle. Move the chains. Right. Those third down kind of guys. So, uh, I mean, you don't have to worry about him going deep a whole lot. But, but no, for me, I am probably selling out to stop the run. I'm, I'm going to bank on Josh Allen not going out there having the, the best game ever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because you are pretty much saying have he has to go out there and have three or four big plays where he hits a receiver just right. But again, I am going to have Justin Simmons back there to help out with some of those big plays because I, I want Kareem Jackson coming down, helping in that run game. Because uh, like I said, there, there's so much window dressing. There's so many other guys you got to watch out for. And the second you think where the ball's going, I mean, uh, I remember in high school, we played this team that ran the, the wing T offense. And I mean, they had so much speed. And so guys just come in every which direction and you never knew who had the football. So you just had to tackle about four or five guys every single play. And and you'd think, oh, yeah, I got the tackle. Oh, never mind. That was not the guy. He's gone. There he goes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so, again, for the Broncos, they're going to have to be very disciplined in their tackling. They've done pretty good this year. But they're going to have to have a lot of one-on-one situations in this one where they're going to have to bring guys down. And, And the problem is a lot of these guys are not easy to bring down. Uh, Devin Singletary, like I said, he's been very, very good at, at making guys miss this year. And uh, Josh Allen, one of the toughest quarterbacks probably to bring down in the league. You, you can't bring him down with an arm tackle. Yeah. I mean, he's, Cam, he's baby Cam Newton. He not, is. Not as good, but uh, he's a uh, – if Cam Newton is Coke, Josh Allen is RC Cola. You know, it's, it's not quite as good, but it can get you by if you're looking for it. So, And I just want to further hype on John Brown. Uh, he has 35% of the Bills receiving yards this season, which is 
pretty impressive considering the number of targets. I mean, that's that's a pretty high rate. And then forty uh, percent of the Bills receiving first downs, and he's averaging two point four five receiving yards per Buffalo Bills pass attempt. And I think that is the fourth highest rate in the league. I'm gonna I'm gonna test you here. This is probably not fair to spring it on you. <laughs> so John Brown is the fourth highest uh, receiving yards per team pass attempt in the NFL. Number four. Can you guess who number three is? And this is just receivers? Just receivers. Well, it might be more than receivers, but everybody is a receiver. I see a tight end. Darren Waller's the highest rated tight end at 13th overall. Okay. I'm going to go. So you're saying receiving yards per route run? Per team so- pass attempt. So it kind of has to do with low volume team passing. So how much of like. Unless this guy's absolutely getting pelted with targets, which is possible. Um, one okay. of these, number one is this. He's probably Michael the offensive Thomas? player of the year. That's number one. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I figured that's got to be be one of them. Number um, two and number three were probably the best offensive players on the field in the game we watched last week. I guess Stefan Diggs. Number two. And Cortland Sutton. Number three. Okay. Yeah, so John Brown, you know, this isn't a high-volume passing attack, but if there's big plays coming, John Brown's the dude, so watch out for him. I have always been a big fan of his game, but speed kills, and Chris Harris Jr., the Broncos, but Chris Harris Jr. have not done the best against number ones this season, and John Brown's the number one. Right. So right. look out. So, no, <laughs> look you're right. That, that is, I mean, I think I saw something that he has like 19 big pass plays on the year. Yeah. Like that's twenty or more per reception uh, on those kind of plays. So definitely the the big play that they're looking for in this kind of game. And so, it, like I said, it's going to be a game where it's going to come down to who can tackle better, who can can not make those big mistakes and get caught. Because the other big thing that I'm worried about is the play action. Yeah, where they're both they, teams they that rely to, on explosive explosive plays. Right, they they do, and uh, so. For this one, the Broncos have to be very, very disciplined, not fall for all the the hoopla that they're throwing out there. Hoopla. And I know. <laughs> Sorry, a little SpongeBob reference there. There you go. But uh, but no, that, that's going to be their, their main thing is just they're going to have to be very, very disciplined in this one if they're going to hold this Buffalo offense. And it, it's, it is an offense that you can slow down. I mean, again, they, they've had a lot of games where they have not done done great this year. I mean, uh, there's a reason that they're not very high scoring offense and and they've suffered against they they struggled against some pretty average teams. Even I mean, Jets week one barely beat them 17 to 16, barely beat the Bengals at home. Uh, I mean, they've played the Dolphins pretty good, but uh, the Browns barely losing to them, I guess, on the road. But they played in the competition. Yeah, they do. They do. So, again, I think this is going to be a pretty low-scoring game. They've had a lot of games that came down to three or four points, one play here or there, uh, whether they won or lost, and and probably again this week going to be about the same. Yeah, and I don't want to – obviously, this is – I'm sorry, listeners. I bring everything back to Iowa football, but this is classic Iowa football where you're trying to play offense to protect the defense. It's all about the defense. So what happens when you do that? There's a team that you should be just beating the pants off of, and you end up winning by you know twenty three to twenty, and it's way too close because you're playing not to lose almost, but you're just protecting the defense, you're controlling the flow, field position, and you can win a lot of games like that. But then also, you can go up against teams that you shouldn't be beating, and you keep it close, and then comes down to that last possession, you have a chance to win. So it's just it's a classic <laughs> Iowa conservative Kirk Ferentz kind of play calling here with that offense to the defense. It is. And yeah. and they're a team, they're not going to turn the ball over a lot, but they're also not going to get a lot of turnovers. Yeah. So the, they hope that your team's going to make mistakes. And if you don't, on, know that they're not going to lose the game themselves either. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. You are correct there. So good assessment. All righty. Well, we should take one more break here. We'll be right back with our game predictions. Don't go anywhere. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sorry, did you want to go over these questions? Let's do that now. Let's do that now. Okay, yeah, I thought we'd hit at least a couple of them. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty, and we're back on the Building the Broncos podcast. I'm Nick Kendall along with Carl Dummler. Carl, you have some fun questions for us here, and he wrote these up, so I'll, I'll, I'll give the floor to you. Yeah, well, one thing that's kind of interesting about the Broncos and the Bills is they are, they're built in very similar ways, and they have a lot of things that tie them together, such as, I mean, uh, we talked about this on our last episode of, uh, I think it was Tyler Plumas tweeted out something about the Broncos should have taken Josh Allen instead of Bradley Chubb, and and yeah. we that yeah I'm I'm still debating whether that would even be I, I I'm not a big Josh Allen fan, I, I think that they're winning despite some of the things he's doing on the field. I mean he does some things okay, but he's not going to take your team over the edge. He's not going to be the guy that's going to go out there and win you a lot of games, but. Uh, so again, the, these two teams are a little bit tied together and they have two coaches, one that are, they're actually pretty similar. They're both defensive minded guys. They're both very disciplined. They're very, um, their, defenses play. I mean, both of them are top five defenses. I mean, if you're going by DVOA, yes, Buffalo is not quite that good, but if you're looking at the raw stats, Buffalo has been very, very good on defense this year. But, uh, so here's my first question for you. And, and. No, you have to give an answer. You can't do that. Well, we'll find out on Fangio. But uh, <laughs> which coach would you rather have right now, Sean McDermott or Vic Fangio? I'd probably go with Sean McDermott. It's just sample size here, Vic Fangio. I feel like Broncos are heading in the right direction with this team, but is Vic Fangio more of that John Fox guy where he's going to come in and help build a culture in a locker room and give the team stability in direction? Or is can he take them you know, to that next level? So we'll find out with that. But I've... I mean, I really like McDermott. I like the direction he's – I've got to speak with him a couple times at the Combine. I'm, I'm a big fan of his game, and I really like the, the tandem of him and Billy Bean. So as, you know, anti – not anti-Bronco, but not pro-Bronco as this is, I'd probably go with McDermott. Okay. Good choice. Yeah. I, I mean, and I think there could also be a, a little bit of a factor of age yeah. factored in there as well. I mean, how many good years of – a Fangio can the Broncos really get out of a, a 61-year-old? I mean, I know there's coaches out there coaching into their 70s, so we'll, we'll kind of see on some of that. But I mean, he uh, took so, that Tyrod Taylor team that was not very talented to the playoffs. Yeah. And kudos for them because they did not get suckered into, wow, we made the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor. We're the best. We're going to build off this. Nope. They knew that they needed to get better and have real long-term stability and direction at quarterback. So they made moves to go get their guy. At least Josh Allen ended up being their guy, so that's that. Kudos to them again, hyping up their front office and the head coach. But I, I'd probably take McDermott here. Okay, well then let's talk about the quarterbacks: Josh Allen or Drew Locke? Again, it's sample size. Drew Locke right now. I, I liked Drew Locke's tape more coming out of college. I probably did not lean enough on the overall raw tools that Allen has. It's kind of a learning experience there for me. Because if you have like that athletic trump card we're seeing with Lamar Jackson, we're seeing with Kyler Murray, you know, Josh Allen being that big and strong and having that arm, even if the accuracy is not all the way there, it's gonna it's it will limit him from getting becoming great if he doesn't fix it. But still that baseline is there where we do not know about Drew Locke, so probably Josh Allen. Although that's again, that's just me playing safe and taking the the safe bet there. You know, right. like, Drew Locke the, is an unknown. The, the known Yeah, the known commodity. All right. Well, here's two that are actually – they've both been starting this year. Uh, both were second-round picks right next to each other. Not not, or not right next to each other, but really close there in the draft. Second round, Cody Ford or Dalton Reisner? I'll take Dalton Reisner. Cody Ford, I think he does have more potential as a, a tackle, a little bit longer. But I think Dalton Reisner is a little bit more technically proficient and a better – more multiple player. I think he's a smarter player to center guard or even tackle if you need to, and a better fit for this zone scheme. So I'll go with Dalton Reisner. Okay. Let's go. Let's go to the safeties. Now mm. Poyer and Hyde or Jackson and Simmons. Oh man, this one is really tough. 
and it's like it's pulling my heartstrings a little bit. Jackson and Simmons, obviously, the Broncos. I've always been a big Simmons fan. But Poyer and Hyde, obviously Micah Hyde, former Hawkeye great. And Jordan Poyer, I, I, I don't want to be that guy, but have you seen his wife? I have not. Oh, my goodness. I think she might be an Instagram model. I don't know if there's anything else there, but all I know is that I've seen seen her and uh, she is yeah, not unpleasing to the eye. So probably this season I'll have to go Jackson and Simmons. I do wonder how much of that is scheme, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Poirier and Hyde have been great, but I think Jackson and Simmons have been just that much better this season. It's close, though. That one is yeah. – God, I have, <laughs> that one might be me being biased and just exposure bias because I'm more familiar with Jackson and Simmons. But Poirier and Hyde have been one of the best, most underrated safety duos in football for the last – three seasons all right I'll, I'll give you maybe a maybe an easier one kind of depending because recency it's been maybe one player over another but tremaine edmonds versus alexander johnson who you taking long term tremaine edmonds one game alexander johnson edmonds has more starting experience than johnson but johnson has been playing better but i mean the the tools that edmonds has are really really rare he has the size that alexander johnson has but he is a more nimble athlete in many many ways and he's 20 where i think alexander johnson might already be 26 27 27 yeah and i think tremaine edmonds is either 20 or 21 so this season i'll go johnson but edmonds has just still just an incredible ceiling that is he's still just you know looking up at the ceiling He'll, he'll get there though he's pretty pretty damn special all right, one final question here for you, and then we'll get to our game predictions. But uh, if you could have one player from the Bills, who would it be? Oh, man. Positional value-wise, you'd probably have to say Josh Allen because of I mean, what he would do to the run game. You'd still have the inconsistencies, but imagine Noah Fant trying to – and Josh Allen throwing. I mean, there was a couple passes last week. One down the right side where Cortland Sutton would have been a touchdown if Brandon Allen had any sort of mustard on it. And that probably would have been a touchdown with Josh Allen. But I'm going to take out quarterbacks because, you know, screw it. I I don't want to say Josh Allen. So I'll probably go with Tredavious White. He is a young cornerback. He's physical. He's tenacious. He's a chirper, which I absolutely love. I'm curious to see if him and Cortland Sutton kind of have a little bit of jawing this week, but he is a, a really darn good player, a known quantity, and the Broncos need cornerback depth so bad. So that's that's a guy that I am envious of and would love to have. Same question to you, though. Let's, let's hear to you. Well, I'm going to go Ed Oliver. Okay. See, I, I love Ed Oliver, but the more I watch <laughs> the scheme, the more I wonder if his Lack of length and inability to two-gap because of that is something that is would limit him. And and I get that. Yeah. I, I just – the overall talent is yeah. just and, – and age. I mean, you're, you're talking about age here with some of these other guys. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's still a rookie and developing and, and looking like one of the better interior guys, at least from this rookie class. It was a pretty strong rookie class. And and so for me, I, I just I still love that upside. I still love what he brings as a pass rusher. I mean, you, you put him between Von Miller and, and Bradley Chubb. Watch out. Good yeah. luck to any quarterback. I mean, that's why we're talking about Derek Brown possibly coming to the Broncos, because we want that other pass rusher, that interior guy that can can be between those two guys and really destroy any kind of offense for a team. Yeah, I will say it's honorable mention for me would be John Brown, just because I got the need for speed. And the Broncos did approach him. He is sickle cell trait, not sickle cell anemia. But uh, he's been killing it this season. And thinking about him with Sutton and Fant, man, just four verts all day. Just throw bombs. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. That, that was another guy I definitely thought about. I tried to look at the offensive line, but nobody stuck out as a huge upgrade over what the Broncos have. It might just be nice to have Cody Ford or Dean Dawkins just to add depth yeah. because this team needs it. But I I don't know. I, I'm Tredavious White, number one for me, just because he is an absolute dog. The team needs it. He's scheme versatile. He's inside, outside versatile. He's young. And then John Brown because I got the need for speed. So uh, game predictions now. Broncos are four-point underdogs in this one. The over-under is 38. I'm going to take the under. The Broncos, I think, have actually hit the over the last two weeks, though. So worth noting. There you go. 
finally starting to score some points. What what are the odds? Yeah, and the uh, the defense is giving up some points. That's true as well. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, but uh, all right. Question for you here: Broncos win if blank. The Broncos win if they keep the Bills from more than they can have no more than two pass plays that go over twenty five yards. If they give up more than two, I think they're losing this game. Okay. I'll go with Broncos win if they score the first touchdown. I'm a, let me be more specific with mine. I think the Broncos, it's 25 pass or 25 air yards. So if there's, you know, something gimmicky where some guy makes something happen after the catch, not super gimmicky, but that's uh, that's not what I'm really thinking. I'm just worried about the vertical downfield games. If John Brown's killing them, I mean, we, people will point to Brandon Allen last week giving up that the the interception that kind of switched momentum but i felt like soon as stefan diggs had that 53 yard touchdown it was like oh shit here it is mm-hmm. like yep. that that was the one where it was like it's happening like this is <laughs> this is inevitable so right. that's that's those are killers and again been harping it on here all season you know you can give up pass yards this team can give up pass yards i mean they that's kind of how they're they're built right now they give up a, a good amount of completions but they're short they rallied the football but those big ones those are killers, and that's how this Bills team is built. So if they're giving up big pass yards through the air, then that'll be a killer. So uh, Broncos score first for you. That's that's a good one. That way they can kind of control the the flow of the game. But after last week's collapse, I feel like you're a little bit bold with that one. Yeah, uh, that that's a good point. But I mean, I guess I missed on last week's too. Just I, I yeah. said if they could if they could contain Dalvin Cook to under 93 yards, and they did that, but. I didn't expect the pass defense to implode like that. That was just, I don't even know what, what happened there. I had tipped to Kirk Cousins and Gary Kubiak and the Wisniewski, the Wisniewski, the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. They did a great job, halftime adjustments, and came out and attacked. I mean, you don't score four touchdowns in a row without doing something good on your end. Right. So Broncos definitely lost that, but the Vikings won it as well. So I do want to give them props. Uh, the Broncos win. If no, we just do the Broncos win, the Broncos lose. I guess you could have mine either way. The Broncos lose if they give up more. The Broncos win if they give up less than that. Um, I'll go. The Broncos lose if Brandon Allen has more turnovers than touchdowns. That includes fumbles and interceptions. So he has to play clean football here because if you give them a short field, that's uh, not what you want. Right. That's that's exactly playing into what they want to do here. I would say Broncos lose if they give up more than four sacks. This is a team, I think they are top 10 in sacks on the season. And Brandon Allen has had his struggles a little bit there. I mean, this kind of plays into the turnovers of him panicking sometimes. And But I think if they can really get home to him, there, there's a good chance they're going to cause him to have some errors along the way. All right. MVP of the Broncos win. Uh, I'm, I mean, uh, I guess this is the easy one, but Philip Lindsay. I just think he's pretty much going to be the Broncos are going to go. You have to go win this game for us. I mean, again, the Buffalo struggles against the run. They've had a lot of missed tackles. Philip Lindsay forces some missed tackles. He does well picking up those, those tough yards and, and those hidden yards that you don't usually think about. And so I just think this is one of those games where if the Broncos are going to win it, he has to really take over and be that hundred yard rusher and just really be the man. What about you? I am going to go with the first-round rookie, Noah Fant. Like I said, they have been peppering him with targets in the post-Emmanuel Sanders era. And last week he had 11 targets, which is absolutely just – it kind of blows my mind for a tight end. But again, when you have Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, you know, obviously solid three or four. They're using him as a two right now. But I think Noah Fant, they're going to keep giving him targets – and if the Broncos win, I think it's because Noah Fant had a heck of a game and he's going to do better converting more than four of those receptions or four of those targets. Or no, he had four receptions on 11 targets. I think he has to do a little bit better with that. Granted, some of that is the quarterback play. But I think that if the Broncos win, I think Noah Fant is probably the guy who had something to do with it. All right. Goat if they lose. I'm going to go with Brandon Allen. I, this is a game. It's a road game. It's a 
nooner kickoff it'll be gosh what time will it be in mountain time 11 and brandon allen you know he's he's fighting for a number two spot right now i don't know i feel like some people have been talking about him playing pretty well i have not been super impressed with overall i mean the, the best thing i can say is that he's given his playmakers a chance to go up there and get it and superstar not superstars but stars i'm not ready to dub anybody on the offensive superstar yet is uh, the stars are out there making plays and you know that's there's something to be said for that but i think that this is a game where like i said last week i think too but this is a game bills on paper good defense second road game in a row they were pretty inept on offense in that second half and i think mcdermott being a very good defensive coach they might have found something in that and learned something there so i think the goat will be brandon allen if they end up losing yeah it's it's one of those you see that there's been there's plays to be made and he's he's missing some opportunities there's times where guys are wide open and he's just not getting it there he's not putting it where it needs to go there was a couple games ago where or i guess was the browns game where he hit Noah Fant, but Noah Fant had to turn around to catch it. And otherwise, I mean, he was running for the end zone. It would have been another about 60-yard touchdown. And uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think his game has been as good as some people have made it out to be. I mean, I guess when you're comparing it to Joe Flacco, (laughs) maybe it's been a little bit better. But even there, I don't know how much better per se. I mean, he's he's offers a few other things that Joe Flacco obviously didn't. But I'll, my goat's going to be Chris Harris Jr. I mean, you you already kind of talked about it with John Brown that if and and you mentioned this on the last episode, and it's really stuck with me of how often it seems like when Chris Harris Jr.'s guy beats him deep, it's always somebody else's fault. Like I, I've never once heard Chris Harris Jr. when he when a big touchdown is thrown in his direction, be the guy that was at fault. And I don't know if that's just protecting his ego or whatever it is, because I mean, even coaches have kind of come up and stood for him. And and maybe it is most of the time somebody else, but there's got to be at least that one or two times where he's really, really screwed up. And and this year he has had a lot of times where he's made weird decisions that he's not made in the past. I think of that Browns game where OBJ just I don't know what he was doing. You're not going to out-muscle OBJ for a football. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's just not going to happen. So he continued to try to do that and gave up bigger plays than what he should have. And uh, so this is another one where this is not a good matchup for him. He's not a speed guy. He's smart, but but even there, those speed guys, I mean, it's just if they can get down the field and this is a quarterback that likes to throw down the field. So if if Josh Allen sees that one-on-one matchup, I can guarantee you he's going deep. I mean, that's just going to be their go-to move. They they like to keep things simple. If he sees man coverage, he throws to the guy that's one-on-one. And uh, so I, I could see this being that game where Chris Harris gives up over 100 yards receiving, couple touchdowns, and really just kind of makes people start questioning whether he should be a part of the Broncos' future moving forward. Yeah. All good points. So I guess it comes down to this. Final score, Carl, you first. I'm going to go I'll go 19-16 Buffalo wins. Broncos cover the spread once again, but tight game in Buffalo. I I think McManus maybe misses another field goal that could have tied it. And I I just think Buffalo just has too many things going in their direction for this one. I I just I see them coming out on top. What about you? I'm going to go the Broncos lose 21 to 20. I think it's going to be an okay game. I think the Broncos will move the ball a little bit, but in the end, it's probably going to come down to another close, but no cigar kind of game, which, you know, it's, it hurts in the moment, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, that's a, you can find the positives in it. Maybe it'll push us closer to the Drew Lock era and push the Broncos a little bit further up the draft board in a season that is, you know, you're not fighting for the playoffs anymore. It's about getting these young guys ready for 2020 in all actuality. And a lot of these right. guys are fighting for future paychecks, but we're talking about for the Broncos specifically. So Right. We'll I, I loved your your tweet earlier today about the the Raiders. Yeah. That 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 win at the end of the season against the Broncos cost them Nick Bosa. Yeah, and they took Clellan Farrell. I mean, if they had taken Josh <laughs> Allen or Brian Burns, you know, it's like, okay, well, whatever. You're missing the best young edge rusher in football. No offense to Bradley Chubb, but Nick Bosa's, I mean, he's showing it already. He's 
a different level, a different tier. Right. But uh, man, I am blessed with that. And another one, I mean, I think Andrew Mason talks about it often. It was the 1989 draft. The Bucks won the last game of the season and they dropped from the third pick in the draft to the seventh and they missed out. Then the three picks that went before them were Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, and did I say Barry Sanders? Deion Sanders then. So Deion Sanders, Derek Brooks, and Barry Sanders. And they end up taking a guy who lasted like two years in the league. So don't say draft position doesn't matter because it does. That it does. I mean, so, like I said, that, that's they took uh, Broderick Thomas. Is that right? Yes. I believe so. And yeah, uh, so, good. yeah, yeah, definitely not good. So, I mean, you got to look for the positives and it's not all bad when the Broncos lose, but it's not all good either. either. So just kind of one of those seasons where you're, you're finding little things here and there to, to celebrate and other things to sit there and say, well, hopefully it's better next year. Yep, exactly. Young guys keep improving. Guys, you want to stick around, keep improving. And, you know, losing these heartbreakers, they suck in the moment, but I think the Broncos are bound for some major aggression next season. You, you know, you can't keep losing games like this without a little bit of a bounce back coming in the future. So that's going to wrap up today's episode of Building the Broncos, powered by Overtime Media. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself at Nikendall MHH. Make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of the Maven Coalition and Sports Illustrated. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast wherever you listen to your shows. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile Huddle and at BTB Football Pod. For Carl, I'm Nick, wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll see you soon. Go Broncos! You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at MileHighHuddle.com to keep the conversation going. 